This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services. And a pleasant good evening to you. Hope everyone is doing okay. Uh, this is the works. My your gracious host is Keith Williams, and is so happy to be with you once again. And we have Elaine Mingus as our guest today. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, first of all, uh, <clears throat> Uh, tell everybody who you are and what you do. So uh, I am a mom of seven children that we homeschool. But what I do for my day job is I sell vintage furniture in the Austin area. And I do some importing of Moroccan rugs as well and offer Austin the best vintage furniture that we can possibly offer. Uh, so. Uh, so is, is it like a regular nine to five or is it like your own business? So we started the business this past year, like officially started the business in 2022. We launched an e-commerce platform. And before this, we were doing this, but it was kind of like we were trying to figure out what if this was a real thing, if we could uh, sustain our family of nine on this income. And so we just took the leap of faith this January. And then by June, 2022, my husband was able to quit his job so that we could do it full time. Uh, it's not a regular nine to five, but I do have a co-working space that I go to, you know, a couple times a week. My children kind of don't think that I have a real job. So I had to kind of employ a co-working space so that I went to work. So they realized, Hey, maybe mommy has a real job, not just hangs out in the garage and fixes furniture all day. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I mean, I don't have any kids, but, you know, I know that I do have a, a co-worker space, you know, that I go to uh, on a daily basis uh, <clears throat> for the business, among other things. Uh, but I'm mostly out in, in the street. So, you know, I'm really, I'm really there. Um but it's kind of good to know that, you know, I have somewhere to go, you know, if I needed to, uh, to go. Uh, so why did, you, why did you decide to start this business? So it kind of came out of a desperate place. My past life, I was a blogger and spent 10 years in the blog world, was highly successful when it came to like, when you looked at the numbers, um, but not really successful when it came to financial things. So we had 50,000 followers, which really, if you think about it after 10 years, isn't a huge amount, but it impresses some people. But I had written for New York Times bestselling author Ruth Sukup with Living Well, Spending Less. I had written for Focus on the Family. I had regular gigs with Covenant Eyes and some different entities there and just was burning the candle at both ends, being social media manager, being YouTube person, writing all the blogs, creating all the images, and just not getting a lot of 
you know, are, it wasn't, you know, giving me a lot of return on my investment and time. And because we have so many kids and we homeschool, I was up at four in the morning, you know, creating perfect Pinterest images. I had previously been a graphic designer before this. So everything looked beautiful. And, but it just, at the end of the day, it came down to money. And my new phrase, my favorite new phrase is if it's not making money, it's not a business, it's a hobby. And so right before the pandemic, we kind of shut down the blog completely. Some things happened and we were just like, this is not what we want to do. And we had previously started kind of redoing our house because I had decorated my house pre Pinterest. So I was looking on Pinterest and I was thinking, oh, my house is not as beautiful as everybody else's house. And so I started selling things on Facebook marketplace and just flipping them. And I, you know, was making money and I figured, oh, well, I'll use this money to buy new furniture. Well, right during that time, we went on a trip to Hawaii with our family of nine. And I thought, oh, it's, you know, I just did it really as frugally as possible as you can go to a trip to Hawaii with that many people, but I just got a ton of deals. But what happened was I came back from Hawaii with just severe, not only vacation depression, which is kind of like normal when people come back from vacations, they think, oh, I'm sad. I have nothing to look forward to, but I had like a real depression set in was just absolutely devastated because now we had debt from this vacation. We'd worked really hard to get out of debt. And I just thought I need an answer. And so I just was laying in my bed one time and I was crying and I was praying and I was listening to Lauren Daigle on repeat. And it's uh, the words of the song are like, you know, God's going to come rescue in the middle of the night. He's going to send out an army no matter what, like he's going to find you. And I said, God, you really need to rescue me. Like I am absolutely at the lowest of the low and I can't get out by myself. And so soon after that, because I'd already been doing stuff on Facebook marketplace, I saw something on the side of the road and I thought, well, I don't need that, but somebody on Facebook might. And it was like, like, you know, less than a day before the trash truck came And so I scooped it up, put it in my back of my SUV and sold it on Facebook marketplace for a profit. And so that's kind of what really got the ball rolling of learning how to flip stuff that I'd found on the side of the road. And I paid off all of our debt from Hawaii. I bought a pop-up camper. So me and my family could take cheaper, more affordable vacations. I paid off my daughter's braces, which are like $4,000. And I have seven kids. So I've got five more people to pay for braces to go. And then I also was able to go to the grocery store and pay in cash my groceries. And so it just made me feel really, really proud. What we didn't realize was that the pandemic was fixing to happen. And so it was, we were like set up perfectly to thrive in the pandemic when everybody else was feeling the pinch of, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where my next paycheck is coming from. We were doing so well because people were, everything was shut down. Shipping delays were just across the board, horrible. People were redoing their house like nobody's business. And so they were throwing stuff on the side of the road because all the thrift stores that usually take furniture were closed. And so I was just picking them up, washing, you know, cleaning them off, making sure they were sanitized, doing contactless porch pickup accepting Venmo at that time, or, you know, people would slide money under my mat. And so it just, I mean, it just really snowballed. And there's just so many more things that I could go into about how I got to where I'm at right now. 
um, which is selling vintage furniture. But um, it was just honestly, it was it was all God. I mean, honestly, that's really what I what I chalk it up to, because um, there is I could not have orchestrated this myself. Uh, sounds like you have done pretty well uh, for yourself uh, in this uh, e-commerce uh, venture over $100,000 in sales. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, we pivoted to vintage furniture after I scored on Facebook Marketplace. There was a guy who was selling an entire 10 by 20 foot storage unit. And he said, the only thing that you have to do is pay me $50 and you have to come right now. And by the end of the day, it has to be cleaned. And it was like tons of stuff. So I kind of got, you know, gathered the troops together, went over there, totally did what he needed to get done, paid the $50. And what happened was it was a storage unit full of like really old vintage furniture. Some of it still had goodwill stickers on it. Like some, like somebody else had been collecting and they had put it in a storage unit and then forgot to pay or whatever happened. And so this guy was a, a storage unit flipper and I guess he just didn't want all this old lady stuff. And so his lost my gain and I had to sell it really quick because it lined, I had a hundred foot tandem driveway. It lined from top to bottom that hundred feet driveway. And I had to figure out what to do with it because in two days it was scheduled to rain. So we just started selling and that's kind of when I realized that vintage was the way to go because it was a highly sought after collectors, people who were redoing and wanted to be sustainable and recycle and reuse. And so it turned into that and some other things happened that allowed us to kind of really make a mark in the vintage community here in Austin, which is really big. And so in 2022, we opened up the e-commerce store and by, you know, June 2022, I was able to bring my husband home. And by the end of this year, we will have reached that $100,000 mark or more. And uh, it's just, it's just been amazing to see how, uh, how successful it's been and just different levels. I mean, just how each opportunity comes and you're just like, wow, I, this is really awesome. And it's been just a total joy and totally different from my blogging when I was blogging, which I was just like, I was chasing that dream. And my new philosophy is I'm not going to chase a dream any longer. It's going to chase me because there's something that I believe that every single person on this earth is put here to do. And it's just a matter of us finding it. And I have found my thing that I'm doing and it is selling vintage furniture, apparently. <laughs> so you, you have an incredible testimony and I'm quite sure that uh, everyone uh, wants to uh, here. So, um, if you don't mind, you know, we definitely like to hear your story, you know, of, of, um, looking at, uh, the synapses of topics, um, uh, you're a daughter of a millionaire and end up being on, uh, you know, government assistance. And now you're running a successful, uh, uh, e-commerce business. Um, tell us about your, you know, tell us about your journey from, you know, being, you know, high at one point, then you had a low point, and then you're back on top again. Uh, I really think that that would probably help someone who's probably going through a similar situation 
or they're getting ready to uh, go into a type of situation and uh, tell us how uh, the Lord have brought you out of it. Sure. I was raised in a very well-to-do family. And sometime during my teenage years, my dad won a substantial lawsuit, which quickly made us millionaires. And it was his company lawsuit. But, you know, of course, our family benefited from it. And I didn't really understand at the time that we were as well off as we were. It really wasn't until I was in my 20s and married that I realized, wow, I never wanted for anything. And I lived a life that was just beyond what normal people live. And because I just thought I was like everyone else. And I think people knew like, you're not like everyone else, but I, in my brain, because my dad was raised by he's his, both of his parents were fully deaf and his dad, his mom died when he was eight. And so the kind of way that he raised me was very much this, you know, blue collar way because he grew up getting handouts from the local grocery store and he grew up having to communicate for his deaf parents. And he saw on a regular basis, his grand, uh, his father, who was a house painter in the fifties, you know, getting completely taken advantage of because in that time they thought deaf people were also dumb. And so he always kind of raised me with this attitude of everybody's on this equal playing field. And so, but when I got married, my husband was actually poor (laughs) and him and his, he was a son of, he had five brothers. He's one of five boys and his mother was on government assistance. And he just kind of, you know, I tell this story often that you know, when he grew up, he was put in the bottom drawer of a dresser and the bed that his mother slept in, if it rained, got rained on if, you know, if the tarp fell off the roof. And so it was a really big shock to my system because I had been told by my dad all the time, just dream and do and go and, you know, good things will happen if you work really hard. And he had been taught by his dad that if you you know, expletive, you know, poop in one hand and dream in the other and see which one fills up first. The, the friction that that caused in our relationship, I mean, not really our marriage, but like just having two people converge with two totally different philosophies on life and money was just really a, a, like kind of a shock to my system. One that I'm totally thankful for now looking back because I never would have realized that sometimes you can't just bootstrap your way out of poverty because there are, you know, generational curses. There are mentalities when it comes to being poor and broke that need to be broken off of people. And so it took us a good 18 years for my husband and I to come to kind of a level playing ground when it came to money. And out of that is when it started to, you know, we started to see a lot more financial freedom and it, um, it's, but I'm so, like I said before, I'm super glad to have gone through that because I am so much more gracious to people that are receiving government assistance. And I want to talk about it and normalize it because there is a huge portion of our population that are on government assistance. I thought I read some statistic that the 
um, military, the army, the Navy, that a lot of these families are living on government assistance because their pay is so low. And, um, you know, and then, you know, everybody knows teacher salaries are like $35,000 a year or something like that. And so I, I don't want people to feel shame, but I also don't want people to feel stuck that they have to stay there in that place. And so, um, it, but I mean, it's definitely better to be on the side of having money than having not money. But, um, I can remember horrible stories of me being in the supermarket with my WIC card and my Lone Star card and the cashier asking if me and my husband had jobs, like, why were we on assistance? Didn't we work? And I was like, we both have college degrees. It's not a bad matter of us working hard. It's just some things aren't aren't just aren't as easy as one, two, three. And so um, I really want to attack that ideology that if you just work really, really hard, the money will come because that's not always the truth. You have to deal with some internal issues that might be occurring and might be holding you back from having financial success. Oh, yeah, I, I hear that, you know, a lot. Oh, there's thousands of jobs out there, you know. Work real hard and, you know, you'll be successful. Heard that my whole life. But what a lot of people don't realize is, is that it's easy and said and, you know, and done. Um, the people these days are looking for, you know, a livable wage. You know, you know, some people say, oh, you know, okay, you know, you know, I'll be glad to get $15 an hour, for example, but statistics shows that uh, even at $15 an hour, you cannot afford a one-bedroom apartment in most places uh, yeah. because they want you to make uh, three times the rent. Absolutely. It definitely is a place where, and, and one of the things I think don't, doesn't get talked about a lot is how much debt people go into to go to college. And then they have, you know, $100,000 worth of student loans that now they're expected to pay and a ballooning payment that, you know, all of a sudden you're paying $500 a month on the student loan, but you can't get a job that's more than $40,000. So it really makes it almost, it makes you think twice about going to college for something unless you absolutely need to, or if you're getting um, grants. And stuff. I know colleges have gotten better. My daughter is actually going to, uh, it's called Capital Idea, and it's a program that they completely pay for your for your college so I definitely think we're getting to a place where maybe we can find a little bit more equality when it comes to uh, education and things like that but um, we still have a long way to go uh, now we know that the the holidays is coming up the Christmas holidays is coming up and and I've seen this vicious cycle all day long that uh, you know, people, they go to the malls, you know, they shop, they use uh, their credit cards, or they take out a payday loan or a title loan, and they get into all sorts of holiday debt, you know, and then their solution is, well, I'm going to take out a loan, you know, and pay off the holiday debt, you know, but you still have that loan. Uh, to pay off. We know that's a vicious cycle that goes on every year. Now, yeah. I understand. Uh, now, are there like any money making tips, you know, that people, uh, you know, can do so they can afford to buy Christmas presents and not get into debt? 
Yeah, absolutely. One of my biggest tips that I love to share during the holidays is as soon as Black Friday rolls around, be on the hunt for discarded Christmas trees on the side of the road because there is a lot of money to be made with Christmas trees. If I just walked into Walmart today and the Christmas tree at the front door is $350. And after Black Friday- No way. $350. I was like, who has, they must really love their kids because we ain't getting a Christmas tree if it's $350. And I, you know, when I was doing, you know, when I was doing, um, picking up stuff on the side of the road, which I don't do anymore. I, I solely focus on vintage. But when I was after Thanksgiving, people will go Black Friday shopping because and be, you know, they'll see a tree that's on Black Friday sale and they're like, well, my tree, it's not so good. The lights don't work. It's shedding, whatever, you know, whatever reason they decide they want a new tree. Well, they don't know what to do with their old tree. So they just throw it out on the curb. And there are so many people that have young children that they can't afford a $350 tree, but they can afford a $40 tree or an $80 tree. And so if you pick up and, and not only are you helping the people that need a $40 tree by selling a tree that you find on the side of the road on Facebook marketplace, you're saving the environment and the you're keeping that plastic tree out of the landfill. You're blessing a family in a season that they just, they need a financial break and they need someone to post that Christmas tree because Christmas trees, when I would post them on Facebook marketplace, they would sell within an hour because people are on the lookout. They want a Christmas tree for their family. And you're basically, if you think, if you chalk it up to an hourly wage, you're running around the, the city and you're picking up and you're using your gas money to pick up Christmas trees on the side of the road. And then you're staging them and you're putting, you know, all you, for a Christmas tree, it's really easy. You just have to put it in front of your garage, set it up, make sure all the pieces are there. If the lights don't work, it's not a big deal because people often have an extra string of lights. They just want a cheap Christmas tree. And so you just, you put it up, you put it on Facebook marketplace for $40, $50, whatever you, whatever you think you can sell it for, depending on like the size and the height and how good of condition it's in. And you can pay for your Christmas gifts, just selling Christmas trees. And I mean, I think it's a great idea because you're helping people, you're helping in the environment, and you're helping yourself. Uh, it's kind of a win-win. So are, are these are like artificial trees or live trees or both? No, artificial. Yeah, artificial trees. No, I don't think most people, because the Christmas trees, are live trees don't go out until the day after Christmas. So it's after Thanksgiving, all the way up until probably, uh, you know, a couple of days before Christmas, people are still buying Christmas trees. Oh, okay. Um, that, that's a, that's a good, you know, any other tips that you may have? I mean, and I mean, when you're out there looking for Christmas trees, people are clearing out their big, you know, their toy bin kids, you know, outgrow toys. There's, you know, Barbie houses on the side of the road because, you know, so-and-so they bought a Barbie house and that, that kid doesn't play with it anymore or the bikes. Um, someone's going to get a new bike for Christmas. So the old bike gets put by the, uh, by the dumpster, really careful about bikes. It has to be the night before trash day. And the bike has to be touching the trash can, like on the road for me to pick it up because my kids, you know, I have seven kids, we have seven bikes. My kids will throw the bikes all over the yard. So that does not mean they're for sale or, you know, they're for grabs. Um, but it's, you know, you can tell when a bike is setting up against a, a trash can 
and it, all it might need is a new tube or it might need nothing. And I mean, you just make sure that the tires are aired up and, and people will buy bikes, $40, $80. I mean, and it, so there's tons of stuff to be found on the side of the road on a regular basis. And um, so that's a great way. I mean, you can also go to the thrift stores and see if you see something that you know is highly valuable. I see washers and dryers at the thrift store and you can buy a washer and dryer for 20, 30 bucks and turn it around and sell it for a hundred and you've made a profit. And, uh, you know, so there's definitely ways to make money. It just, um, the easiest way is to pick stuff off the side of the street because it's free and you're saving it from uh, being thrown into the dumpster. Oh, you know, I used to do, in the past, I used to do that with like, uh, you know, laptop computers. Uh, mm -hmm. Either I would pick up computer parts from the side of the road or I'll go to like the thrift stores and uh, buy computer parts and uh, I would like put them together, kind of like polish, polish yeah. them and, uh, you know, put software on it that people, you know, would need. And I would sell, and I would sell them for like $250 a pop. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you want to stay with something you want to, you know, flip something that you're knowledgeable about. If you're knowledgeable about computers, flip computers. If you're a mom and you're knowledgeable about how much things cost for babies, pick up the baby stuff, you know, flip baby stuff. If you love, you know, clothing and you know a lot about Vera Wang and all the brands, you know, sell clothing on Facebook and, and Depop or whatever. There's just whatever you're good at, do that you know, sell that. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, I believe in, uh, in first Kings, uh, the prophet Elijah, uh, you know, came to this woman. She was like, uh, you know, he was like, you know, I'm hungry. You know, can you uh, fix me something to eat? And the lady was like, well, I really don't, you know, have anything. You know, that's what she thought. She said, I don't have anything, but you know, he noticed that, uh, you know, you know, he noticed that, you know, that she had a little something, you know, to work with. And so you only need a little bit to work with. Yeah. So absolutely. she said, so she said, well, yeah, she took a leap of faith and she gave what, you know, you know, you know, she gave him what, you know, what, whatever she had. But before she did that, the prophet said, okay, uh, you, you might want to go in your neighborhood and, you know, get some, you know, some buckets because you're going to need it. So he gave her some specific instructions and she followed the instructions, you know, to the T. Next thing you know, she had a whole lot of oil and she sold that oil. Uh, she sold that oil uh, throughout the land and she never had to worry about money again. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I definitely think, you know, one of the things that God has been teaching me lately is don't get all squirrely in your head. Follow, God gives you specific breadcrumbs to follow. And it's very specific advice, not this like, you know, unattainable, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start first. Ask, you know, praying and asking God, what is that specific thing that you want me to do? And just be quiet quiet and still and wait for an answer because there, there is an answer. And, you know, I believe if you call upon the name of the Lord, that he is good and righteous to answer those who are asking for help. And so it's just a matter of us asking for help and, uh, and then realizing that, you know, she had to sacrifice that little bit of oil and, and believe 
And so I really believe that um, in this season of Christmas, it's the best season to, you know, look inward, find faith and believe that there is a God and he is for you and he is not against you. Uh, switching back to uh, your business, you mentioned, uh, you know, this phrase, kingdoms aren't established by kings, but armies. Mm -hmm. In other words, don't build your business without a team in place first. Absolutely. Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? So I spent 10 years being the lone wolf, being wearing all the hats. And there's a lot of pride that comes in being able to do everything yourself, but it's also a place where you can easily burn out. And now I know that I will never do what I did before this again. I won't ever wear all the hats. I won't ever do, you know, if I'm, if I need to do graphic design or web design or SEO or whatever, like hire that out, like get a team, build a team. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to pay. You can, you know, just ask somebody who's a friend. If you can't afford to pay, just, Hey, can you, can you build me a quick website? Or can you just, you know, guide me to the right thing? Um, and or you can do, uh, or, or you can barter. A barter. Bartering is a great way. I, that's how I barter my hair. The, my hairstylist does my hair and I give her vintage furniture. So definitely uh, there is bartering still alive and well. And so just, but making sure that you're not going in alone when you start seeing growth, like obviously at the beginning, you're kind of doing it like on your own, but right when you start seeing growth, start, even if you're just thinking, who can I do that? Who can help me with this? Who can I, what, how, because you want to have a, a, a successful person's mentality and a successful person doesn't always wear all the hats. They know, I, there's a story of uh, Henry Ford. He knew so much stuff and somebody interviewed him, came in his office and he said, you know, how do you know so much stuff? And he said, and he invited all his, his team in and he said, well, if you want to know about motors, ask this guy. And if you want to know about finances, ask this guy. And if you want, you know, he was pointing to all these people and it was the fact that he didn't, he knew that he did not know everything. And even if he knew some things, there was somebody that was better than him. And so trying to find those people doing what you do best and whatever, whatever that is, right. If you're a writer or you're a curator, like get everybody, try to find people to do the other stuff that they're good at because that blesses them because there are people who all they do is build websites. All they do is do PR and allow them to flourish in their vocation and you flourish in the thing that you can do. You're the only one that can do it. Um, there's a quadrant theory that says there are things like if you draw like a a T and there's four quadrants. There's things that you are really good at and love doing things that you are love doing, but aren't so great at things that you don't like doing, but are really good at and things that you love, you hate doing and suck at. And he said, those bottom two really try to outsource those, get somebody else to do those. And in my life, I've had to you know, I adjusted the uh, every plate, which is like a boxed meal thing because my family was suffering because I'd been, wor you know, working so hard and busy all the time. I wasn't making meals. And so um, I got the most affordable uh, box plan that I could. It's like really, really inexpensive. I'm surprised. And it sends me meals. And so on every night I'm able just to make a meal 
and um, feed my family for very, you know, very inexpensive. And um, it's just been a great blessing because now we're able to have family meals together. Um, we had to hire a housekeeper because I was, the house was, you know, becoming a wreck. And so I just, and I honestly would have never thought to hire a housekeeper, but everybody in my circle kept saying, Elaine, you can't do it all. You have to do something and you're, you know, that's the easiest one to hire out and you hate doing it anyhow. Uh, and you, you know, my house, if you see it, you probably kind of suck at it. Um, and so I just prayed and I said, Lord, if you want me to have a housekeeper, like you got to bring one and like, she brought this, I mean, I didn't even try, like he just brought this lady and she is super affordable. And I was like, done. And so just, you know, trying to figure out having a, a rich person's mentality of who can, who can do this better than me and how can I afford it so that I can do what I'm, I do best. Right. Uh, so the, the thing that I hear all the time is that. Uh, a good leader doesn't know everything. A good leader knows how to delegate. Exactly. So if they're like delegating certain things, then you can concentrate on, you know, what you really do best. And uh, that, I think that could be a business model that everybody can uh, relate to. And it's really easy, you know, to get into. Uh, you just had to do a lot of brainstorming. You know, what am I really, you know, those... Uh, those four things you mentioned about the T. Uh, start thinking about that and the things that, you know, you really suck at. Start thinking uh, some people that are, you know, skilled in those things. You know, you know, that way you won't be so barred down and you can like really focus on what you do best. Yeah. Yeah. And what makes money focus on what makes money. And a lot of people get bogged down, I think, in a lot of details of things that aren't making money. And it could be like, oh, I'm going to make a TikTok reel or I'm going to make it or TikTok video or make an Instagram reel. And it's like, if it's not making money, don't spend time there because there's no, you have to, you have to figure out the ROI on what everything that you're doing. Uh, so can, can that be related to you know, podcasting, because I know a lot of people who do podcasting, they're, they're not really in it to make money. You know, they, they're just in it to, you know, just bring awareness, um, to educate, to entertain, to enlighten, uh, you know, things for that nature. So would podcasting, you know, fit in that model or, because I, I know some people, you know, that's all they do and, you know, they make money from it. Uh, but a lot of podcasters are not in it to make money. Yeah, you know, I mean, everything, yeah, mm -hmm. everything that we do doesn't have to be money, but it has to give some sort of benefit, some sort of ROI, whether it be engaging your community, because, you know, secondary sales for me are a big part of my business model. So if someone buys from something from me, I want to continue to retain them as a customer. And in your case, or in somebody else's case, podcasting might be the way that you retain that customer. And so it doesn't necessarily convert into specific dollars or direct dollars, but it is indirect. And I, you know, I spent 10 years blogging out of the goodness of my heart and not making tons of money because I just wanted to you know, get a message out. And I don't at all, you know, knock that. I think that that is a beautiful thing, but I think at some point you have to be figuring out some way to make money or you need to be making money in your real job enough to support that hobby. And just really distinguishing between the fact that if you're doing it not to make money, that's totally fine, but make sure you 
call it a hobby so that your brain understands that you don't have to make money and you don't get resentful because at some point, if you're not making, if you think you're going to be making money off of something and you don't make money, you can get really burnt out and really down on yourself. Um, and so I definitely, and I also want to point out not, you know, because I know a lot of people that are listening may not be at the place where they're able to, you know, hire out anybody or hire a housekeeper or something like that. Um, I didn't, you know, start out hiring a housekeeper at the very beginning. I didn't start delegating out at the very beginning. I, you know, did a lot of the groundwork and the legwork myself and, you know, you know, focus on just selling furniture and making money off of furniture and paying off debt and paying bills. And it wasn't until I started seeing growth and to the point where you're like, I can't maintain this speed that I need to do to continue to grow at the rate that I'm growing. And so making sure that you don't look at other people and be like, well, I'm not there yet, or I'll, I'll never be there. You can be there, but you do have to, you know, you have, there is a place where you're not there yet. And so not getting, you know, not getting down or feeling like that things aren't, things aren't attainable for you because it definitely, there's definitely enough money to go around. It's just also finding the audience and the product that really resonates. And um, one of the things that I heard recently was that people vote with their dollars. And so when you are finding people paying you for whatever it is, like, in you know, you said in your case, you were pay being paid to, you know, flip computer parts or, you know, or put computers together. It's like people, you found a need. There was a need there for inexpensive computers that were running well. And they, people, people came, you know, came a knocking. And so making sure that whatever you're doing is actually something people want and need, not just, you know, not just want, but need. And, and finding the intersection of that is also um, a key, a key point to making money. Oh, some wonderful tips here uh, for those of you who are in business or you want to go into business or uh, you just want to make some extra money for the holidays. Fan fantastic. Now, uh, going to your profile here that I'm uh, looking at, essentially you are a New York Times best-selling author. Uh, tell us a little bit about... Uh, I mean, how many books you've written, what they are about, are they still no, in circulation? And, I, and I'm not sure where, uh, I'm sorry, somebody else asked, asked me that too, so I need to figure out where that, but no, I am not a New York Times bestselling author. Um, I have written for a New York Times bestselling author. I So I don't know if I worded that wrong, but it definitely um, not a New York Times bestselling author, but I've written for a New York Times bestselling author. Um, so what what is that like? Uh, you know, is it something that uh, it's something that you have enjoyed doing in the past, but now you're saying, mm, um, I need to go into a different direction. Uh, so what's the story on that? Uh, just to clarify, what are the story on writing for a New York Times bestselling author? Yes. So, you know, when I was blogging, I often wrote for other blogs you know, depending on their needs, sometimes I would solicit them. Sometimes they would solicit me to write on their blogs, uh, different things for different seasons. And um, Ruth Sukep was somebody that I was able to connect with through her Elite Blogging Academy because she was a one of the, kind of the forerunners of people who were 
blogging, you know, teaching other people how to blog and make money blogging. And so because I was in her class and I had met her um, a couple or a time or two at uh, some blogging conferences, I was able to get a, a spot on her on her blog to, to write about um, a subject. And so that was uh, a fabulous opportunity and I'm super grateful um, for that. Um, but you know, when I shut my blog down, I kind of just shut that whole side of me down, which is writing and speaking. And um, I did have, I had 12 titles on Amazon that I had published, but um, I took everything down. I just kind of went into hiding after um, just feeling like, you know, kind of discouraged that that was just not the path that I was wanting to take. And um, so, you know, I just never, you know, I didn't continue to pursue that. What's interesting, though, is as I shut that down, and I really think it was God kind of giving me a season of rest and reflection. And I would not, if I had not shut that down, I would not have found reselling furniture. There's a story, there's a story in the Bible about the branch being cut off so it can produce more fruit. And I really believe that by cutting off the branch of blogging in my life has actually created space to produce the fruit that I need. And I think a lot of people are holding on to things that maybe they need to let go of in order to grow. And so by letting go of that, I was able to grow in the area, uh, a different area that I never could have probably imagined or even done had I been still blogging. And so, which is, you know, picking up furniture and selling furniture. Uh, what's interesting is that now through my story, through my success with vintage furniture, that whole dream of writing and speaking has actually come back to me. And uh, I've been invited to speak publicly. I've been invited on many, many podcasts. And uh, so, and I'm, you know, like I said before, I am not chasing a dream. I'm going to let the dream chase me. So I'm just open to whatever, you know, God has for me. And if that means speaking and writing, that's great. If it doesn't, then that's fine too. And so, um, but my message is, is clearer and stronger now that I've gone through what I've gone through. So I'm really grateful for all the opportunities I've had, including writing for a New York Times bestselling authors blog. All righty. We're going to get ready to uh, uh, close. It's really been a great pleasure uh, having you on here uh, today. Um, has such an amazing story. Uh, I'm quite sure that uh, someone out there who's listening, watching, uh, uh, will be inspired uh, by that. Now, uh, how would someone be able to reach you if they wanted to, you know, contact you? Uh, you know, maybe uh, they, um, uh, maybe they want to uh, buy some furniture or, you know, what, how they're able to get in contact with you. Sure. So if anybody is looking for a speaker for an event or a podcast guest, you can go to elainemingus.com. And if you are wanting some vintage furniture, you can go to curbvulture.com. That's curb, like curb shopping, uh, vulture, like the animal. And uh, the reason why it's called that is because it's just a little bit of a nod to where I came from. And uh, it's just a name that stuck. So curbvulture.com. And uh, we do ship nationwide. And uh, we also deliver to the Austin, Houston, and Dallas, Texas area. 
Uh, do y'all have like any, uh, you know, because I know it's the holiday season. Do y'all have like any Black Friday sales going on? Or so holiday we sales? Have, yeah, so we did have some Black Friday sales on Moroccan rugs and some faux cactuses. Uh, but I don't have any sales currently going on. I am selling a fun vintage hat. Um, it's a new hat that says the word vintage on it and has some grapes because grapes are part of a vintage and they grow on the vine. Um, and uh, so that's for sale. And that's a great Christmas gift for anybody who's looking for a fun. Uh, it's a trucker hat and it's just a fun way to say that you love vintage things and love vintage furniture. Now, um, it is a tradition here at the Australia broadcast section to where whenever we have a guest to come on to any one of our podcasts, that we invite the guest to say the last word before we close out. And it could be absolutely anything. So what is your last word to the audience? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things to remember is that comparison will rob you of joy. And so whatever you're doing, whatever you feel like you've been called to do, that you've been made to do, don't look side to side. They're in, the, in a race, a horse puts blinders on so that they can't see their competitors. And it's so often we like to look around at Instagram, Pinterest, uh, whatever it is, and say, oh, this is what it's supposed to look like. But uh, put put those blinders on, head down, keep doing what you're doing, uh, and you know, if you if you keep pushing to it, I think that you if you've taken some of the things that I've said to heart, just uh, keep doing what you're doing, put those blinders on, and don't compare yourself to other people because there is no traffic in your lane. You're a unique individual. God has made you for a purpose, on purpose, and uh, you have something special to offer the world. Uh, some strong words of wisdom. Um, everyone show some love to Elaine Mingus. Appreciate you coming out, uh, taking time out of your, you know, busy schedule. Obviously, uh, you know, it's definitely busy. You got a couple of hats, uh, not to mention, uh, you know, a mom to uh, a lot of kids. So, um, definitely keep you busy but I just want to wish you the best you know and everything and may the Lord lead you to whatever it is that he wants you to have what he wants you to do the people that that he brings in your life to make a difference uh, I pray for direction and peace I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me on. I love, you know, meeting new people and sharing my story because my story is God's story and I just want to give him all the glory. Uh, fantastic. And uh, we're going to close out here on the works. We certainly want to thank everyone uh, for tuning in. Uh, wonderful guests all the way around. Incredible stories, inspiring, educational, uplifting that's what we do here. Um, you don't find a lot of that in mainstream media. So we decide to uh, go out of the box and really bring the people's stories to people. And that's what we do here at The Works. And we certainly hope that you will continue to support us 
uh, and we will continue to, you know, provide the best content for our audience. So until then, thank you so much. Enjoy your day or evening. The views expressed on this program are those of the guests and not necessarily the views of management and staff of OBS Radio, OBS International, and Greater Works Business Services. Guests who appear on this podcast are not required to pay a fee and is made possible by RadioGuestList.com. For more information, please visit our website at www.obsintl.cf. Follow OBS on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash broadcast section. If you want to contribute financially to help us continue broadcasting, please go to paypal.me.obsintl. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you next time. This is OBS Radio, a service of OBS International, a division of Greater Works Business Services.